Welcome back to another episode of Being an Artist is Fucking Killing Me. I'm Corinne. And I'm Rainy. Happy Tuesday. Happy, happy Tuesday. Welcome back, friends. We're back. We're second week into February. How are we feeling? I'm not going to lie to you, Corinne. I feel a little tired from the first few days being back and everything, but it's good tired. It's happy tired. Yeah, yeah. Clear. But there was no easing into it. It was like, no, hit the ground running. It's like, turn it on and let's boogie. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Working a lot. It's my birthday month. So It is. It's your birthday month. Interesting, interesting. Trying to figure out what I want to do. Slash, I left it in the hands of you and Rob. <laughs> Can we talk about what the the, the stipulations this there woman has no given? There was no stipulations. These are the stipulations. Has to be all day. No, has not to be a surprise. That. Also, has to be a dress. Has to get dressed up. <laughs> These are the three things we've been given. Just like just the audacity of it all. I will also say that even though I said those things and I want those things, I would be very happy if I like. Also, like it doesn't mean like all day. Like everybody has to be there all day. It's like I want to go for brunch or something. Like I want to get up and like do birthday things. Mm. um surprise could be literally fucking anything it doesn't and like getting dressed up could mean going to your house and just like spending three hours getting ready and putting something nice on and taking a bunch of pictures and drinking at your house like it doesn't mean it has to be like a whole thing Mm -hmm. I just like I just want to put a nice outfit on and take some cute photos because it's my 30th and I just like want it to be a day of me right and like the surprise thing was like mostly a joke like it doesn't have to be a surprise surprise, but also like I know that we're doing something on my birthday it's (laughs) it's just the irony of asking for a surprise that's making us laugh I know (laughs) I know I've just like Um, never had a surprise party and it looks fun but also like I would hate to be like surprised you know what might help don't ask for one (laughs) fair fair for fair (laughs) i feel like you were surprised last year i was surprised last year last year was so fun that's why i'm also like okay with things being like chill or very different this year because like you went above and beyond last year and i don't know who how to top that (laughs) also like set your i was like told rob what you did and he was like wow setting the bar really high for me for birthdays (laughs) what did we do why don't you tell everybody tell Uh, your birthday really organized this like scavenger hunt with clues all over the west end of the city of different places we had to go pick up drinks and we just like walked around um it was like there's five of us and we just like walked around and it was like a pretty mild day for the end of february like it wasn't very cold it wasn't snowing it was like sunny and nice out we like walked around we did face paint our friend robin painted all of our faces and we did we mushrooms microdose mushrooms all day and then we just walked around the city and drank outside and we just scared little kids it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> it was really fun oh, i forgot about that he was dressed he had his face painted like a wolf but it really just looked like a raccoon and he's just like making faces at kids he literally him. roared at people <laughs> little kids would be like and like walking by so like looking at all of us like we all had different like whatever you kind of wanted as like a child face paint yeah so like Corinne had like because she was really into like florals so she had like flowers everywhere and I wanted to be like a lavender butterfly, uh, butterfly. so I did that um Danica, Danica was Danica. close to alone. <laughs> 
had to go and expose him alone. You know, like Lucas wanted to be painted like a wolf. So we did that. Like I think we even got Andre to have some face paint. But so Lucas was painted like a wolf and little kids would walk by and like just look so enamored. And Lucas is like the most awkward person around children. Like has like literally been like boo to like a two-year-old. And the mom would have been like, don't do that. <laughs> um, and little kids would walk by and Lucas would be like, <laughs> like would roar at them. Yeah, it was yeah. a good time. So we'll see what happens this year. I don't know. To be honest with you, I'm thinking just a cat cafe. <laughs> I mean, I'm very happy with that. We get super dressed up and just go hang out with cats and take Polaroids. Love it. Love Give OJ it. and Mills a <laughs> top hats. <laughs> and monocles. Stop adding monocles. Uh no, well, I don't know what we're gonna do. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Maybe I'll, I'll drop some hints. I mean, I already know the theme, so because I tried to buy a dress and you were like, not that one. <laughs> it's Ooh. not a theme. Not that one. <laughs> it's true, but we're not telling anybody until we we can't tell anyone. Okay, we're not saying anything. But yeah, guys, uh, before we get started today, we just wanted to take this time to say, go to our Patreon. Yes, please. please donate a dollar a month. This podcast needs people like you. If you're an ongoing listener, if you decide, you know what, I haven't donated in a while, mm-hmm. go on over. A uh, dollar a month is all it needs. It can be anywhere between like a dollar a month to $50 a month. Depends how much you love us. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it, it all the money goes back into the community. It goes to Devin. It goes to us throwing parties. Hopefully this summer we can throw a gal pal party. Yeah. Oh, that'll be so fun. Yeah. Oh, yes. Let us know who you'd like to see, what you'd like to see at the party. Yeah. I think the last one we threw, we had three different music acts. Mm-hmm. We had JJ and Alyssa. We had Halia. Mm-hmm. And then we had a DJ and we showed some films. Oh, Kendra also played. Oh, yes. Kendra played. Yeah. And we also had like film showing and alcohol sponsors and so many like raffle prizes. Like it was so mm-hmm. fun. And it was in this weird little garage in an alley. Super cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah, let us know what you, if you're interested in coming, let us know if you know any artists I'd be interested in participating. We're into yeah. it. Planning mm-hmm. starts now, I guess. Fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. This week we have... Brandon White and Shannon Mills of White Mills Theater Co. Yeah, and we get to talk about one of my favorite passions, which is immersive work. We talk about many different ways of making immersive work work and how you do it and the things that you have to think about. And yeah, it was nice to talk about something that I that I like as much as immersive work and site-specific work. Yeah, it was awesome. Okay, here we go. How are you guys doing? Welcome to the podcast, first of all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you for having us. Yeah, it's great to yeah. be here. We're doing well. Uh, it's I mean, cold. I was going to say it's, it's freezing. freezing. I literally took the dogs out for a walk this morning and they were like begging to come back inside because it was way too cold. So I tried to go for a run yesterday. Like, I Wrong was like, choice. I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah. I like got outside and I was like, oh, like immediate frostbite just like across yeah. this part of my face. It was yeah. awful. Yeah. Um, I want to kind of jump right into it because you guys are actually working in immersive site-specific theater work, which is what my, which where I, which is like the, the field that I work in and what I did my thesis on. So I'm super curious about how you guys, your, how you guys approach immersive work versus uh, other ways that may happen. Mm -hmm. Did you guys always work in that way? Or did you come from like a, 
uh, assuming theatrical background, so stage or film or whatever. Yeah, we both come from different backgrounds. Different performance backgrounds, which I think works really well uh, kind of coming together. But uh, I mean, you can talk about the backgrounds you come from. Yeah, I'm I'm from a classical music background, specifically opera. That's what I trained in, Uh did my master's in. Uh And so very traditional, very, you know, by the book, the, by the book yeah. right. world. Yeah. And Brandon comes from the exact opposite. So then world. I come from the devised theater world, which is yes. a lot of like, you know, rolling around on the ground yeah. and like, let's do a performance outside and let's, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. Right. Yeah. Um, and then. And then I can't say that even when we started this, we I don't had think... the had the intention of doing immersive site specific specific yeah. theater. It kind of just naturally evolved. Yeah, it was a very organic process for from, us from A to B. Yeah. yeah, and had we had we not been able to partner with Spadina Museum, mm-hmm. uh, I don't I don't know if if we if we if we would have gone down that route. I mean, I think we probably would have because I remember we went Maybe. through a period we were we were location scouting and we were yes. just looking at all of the different like beautiful heritage buildings in Toronto because we just had this vision mm-hmm. of the show being set in a heritage house. But I think and we love old properties. We love we love history. We love architecture. We love, we love design. So yeah, um, I think that's where a lot of that came from. But for the most part, there's something about site-specific work that takes a lot of um, effort out of the experience. Like you don't have to work as hard in terms of like your set, for instance, and right. your, atmosphere. the atmosphere. You're you don't have yeah. to you know you, you, there's no lighting uh, you're involved. Transported. Uh, and so getting the audience into a space where you know you're looking at furniture and wallpaper that's been there for 200 years. Uh, is it takes a lot of the 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 weight and pressure off of you as a a performer because or as an artist because all of the design elements are already in place for you so yeah and we were talking earlier too um and and we were trying to pinpoint like when did we realize that we could contact heritage houses (laughs) as as like a thing and and you could do performances there and i think this was even a couple years before our first show before 2016 Mm-hmm. Um, we had a colleague that was doing a show. We all worked at the FSC together. That's where Brandon and I met. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were doing a show at the um, Campbell, Campbell House. Campbell House, which is mm-hmm. not the city of Toronto. I think they're privately owned, but it's a beautiful, right, right downtown Toronto. And they were having a two-person, they did a two-person um, Pride and Prejudice called Elizabeth mm-hmm. Darcy. So it was just the two of them. And it was amazing just going through this house and yeah, our jaws dropped. We we, yeah, we were in the audience. We, we went to support. So it's a company called um, Bert Werneberg. Yeah. And uh, so uh, Kate Werneberg is a call, the colleague of ours. So we went to support her. And I think just five minutes into the show, our, our mouths hit the floor because we were like, I didn't we realize this. this was possible. Yeah. Um, and I think that that kind of laid the groundwork for us to. And we weren't even we, we weren't even talking. No, about we were just friends at that time. We were yeah. just like, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. Shout, out, then, shout out to you Kate Werneberg yeah. <laughs> thank you for inspiring us to kind of go yes. on a journey so yeah yeah 
Um, how how did the partnership with is it I it's you called it it's Spadina. Spadina. So Spadina. everyone okay. thinks it's Spadina. I was, I, okay, yes. I was like, yeah. I mean, we've been working with him for like five years and and Spadina. still have to force ourselves to say Spadina. It's Spadina. from yeah. an Ojibwe word, yeah. I believe it's pronounced Espadinong. Um, yeah. and which means hill essentially yeah. because okay. the museum oh, on the hill. is situated on the top of, of uh, a, a great hill. Yeah. Um, it's so. right beside Castle Loma. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like right beside Castle Loma gets all the, all the, hoopla. all the hoopla and attention, but Spadina's right there. And it's, I, yeah. I mean, we think it's, it's just a gym. How did that partnership happen? Did you, was it like one show that you worked with them do, or you could contact or placed there and then. So we we had done a workshop performance of our first opera called The Medium. Um, it was our second. Oh, sorry. Yeah, second. Seconds. Our very first one was Street Scene. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. Um, <laughs> so we had done a workshop performance uh, of, of The Medium in uh, a local church, and it had done pretty well. With um, Opera by Request. With Opera by Request. Which, which, is, um, which is a concertized opera company. That, very cool. So, so that's how I got my start in Toronto was working with them. And so okay. that's our in with uh, Bill Shuchkoff, who's who was the director. I think he's since stepped down, but but he was he was fantastic he was about allowing me to step in to kind of be an artistic lead mm-hmm. and um working with them. Normally they're concertized and we had asked you know, is there a chance that we can try and have this be somewhat of a mounted production with some staging and some set design and costume design? And he was like, well, we've never really done that before, but you're welcome to give it a try. Um, And that's kind of where our partnership began, because Shannon had asked me, well, did you want to step in? I'm working on this show. And um, I know you love costume design and you've been away from theater for so long. Why don't you step back into it? And uh, that's kind of where it began. But we had done this this, um, workshop performance of the medium and uh, we had remembered Kate's performance uh, of Elizabeth Darcy at Campbell House. And we thought, wouldn't this be perfect if it was set in a a heritage house? And realistically, it was just a matter of playing phone tag with the museum at first. It took months. It it took months, a lot of emails back and forth. They Um, were lovely. It was just, they were incredibly busy. Right. Yeah. to find the window and, for us and also to like to be treating us as as you know someone because we were yeah. that yeah. you know, we're Nobody. amateurs trying yeah. to uh, <laughs> right. present ourselves in a professional <laughs> manner and you know right. just having this idea and and um this is where it like gets a little bit tricky with I think like site specific and immersive work is that you're is the the relationship and like the negotiation between the space management mm-hmm. and and like the creatives. Mm-hmm. Did you were you guys given much opportunity? Like how much of the space were you allowed to use, and how did you have to like schedule your rehearsal time around that? We were given the whole museum essentially. We had to tell oh, wow. them yes. what we wanted. Yeah, they yeah. were incredibly open to us. We went uh, for the first um, meeting. It was it was a blizzard. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was in it the middle was, of a blizzard in February. Yeah. It was a really early morning. I think we were with our first meeting at like eight in the morning. So mm-hmm. we hit the coffee shop and then we, <laughs> we walked up this hill and we were literally praying that they would say yes to this because it would, it was so exciting for yeah. us. And just felt like such a, um, and they an impossible yeah, right. we thought they were going to say no. Yeah. We and they basically they no. said to us, just pitch us exactly what you want. So we were like, okay, we're going to ask for the moon. And if they say no, or if scales back, we'll still be so happy. So we basically said, um, because of the nature of the opera, we knew that it needed to take place um, in one room because we needed a piano. 
And what ended up happening is they gave us basically access to everything mm -hmm. and uh, specifically the preserved, which isn't the renovated space. There's a whole section, the first uh, two or three floors, they've all been renovated beautifully to reflect the Edwardian era, but the upstairs is preserved. So there's like wallpaper that that's hasn't falling been, that's off. falling. Oh, and wow. One room. It's so atmospheric. Their, their third so, floor was originally created for... Um, uh, so the, the house was owned by the Austin family and their son had tuberculosis. And so he was sent away to Egypt because at that time they believed that like dry air um, was something that would really help with tuberculosis. Oh. And so while he was in Egypt, they uh, started installing this third floor that yeah. was meant to be a hospital wing for him. But he passed away while he was in Egypt. So this third floor never was never completed and, and it, they never got to showcase it very often either so they were more than happy to give us to give us the third access. floor um wow. so our our production took place on the third floor but what we did to showcase the museum was um we had uh characters that were playing like house staff essentially that yeah. took the audience on a tour throughout the entire space um and then ended in the room where the performance was going to be taking place um and right. that was meant to be the you know the yeah. the private chambers of Madame Flora, the psychic. So to go back to the question, I, I, and I don't know if every every city of Toronto location is as open or as, as accommodating as Spadina, um, but we were really, really lucky. And we mm -hmm. went in with something and they countered with something else that turned out to be so much better. Like we had only really we had a much smaller vision of one room and then they mm -hmm. gave us access to everything. And then the second show that we went back to because we understood um, the space. We the knew space. we knew the space really intimately we, at that point yeah. and the staff so well. And because point. it is a museum and we have to be um, sensitive to these beautiful antiques and you really yeah. do have to treat it like a museum. Um, our show, our next show, which we did at Christmas time, a Christmas Carol, we were able to just expand it to even more of the outbuildings. They had a trust in us that we were respectful and our cast mm -hmm. crew was going to be respectful. Mm -hmm. um, you asked about the rehearsals as well. Yeah. If it was, uh, if you were like when you built the show, if you built it in, like you were rehearsing and built it in the space. So you were able to no, kind of like frame it. No, basically yeah. the way that we operate is uh, we rent show. out. Uh, the shit show when you have to like build a show like that's in a I mean, space just, that you have are not in. It's you have to ask your performers to just imagine, right? Yeah. And so basically what we did <laughs> we is we- We have a tour. We, we did a tour. Yeah. So our first company meeting, we take all of the performers throughout the space. Um, but, you know, even just having that tour, I mean, the EP people forget or yeah. you know they're just getting settled into the show building. so they don't really it doesn't yeah. so we would have photos available for people to see like this is the room you're going to be working out of if you don't remember actually having been there um you know let's use this table and pretend it's the kitchen table there that kind of thing we did our best to recreate at a rehearsal space in a rehearsal space yeah. yeah so and we kind of Brandon had taken dimensions because yeah. the bulk of the opera happened in this one room where we had the piano um, and so he was able to take dimensions. We blocked it out in the space, but, but the week that we were in house doing our run throughs where the, the chambermaids and everything had to walk through the complete house. I mean, you're really just, you're going with the flow 
and we mm-hmm. tried to prepare them for but, that, no, nothing but nothing can prepare you for for, for all of a sudden yeah. having to lead yeah. you know an audience of 30 through a and, museum you know yeah. by candlelight right and anything yeah. can happen with the audience too our second show we got a bit better and we were able to be in house a little bit uh earlier than before yeah. so mm-hmm. And because there were, we expanded and we had double the cast and we had two groups. So we had- We started working yeah. with the idea of simultaneity, um, knowing that there are space capacity issues in you know a, a venue like mm-hmm. this and that our audience was gonna have to be really limited. The, the After having done our first show, The Medium, we sat down and thought, okay, for our next show, how are we going to, to tailor this to suit the space mm-hmm. now that we know the space so well. Um, and so we decided that to, to be able to increase our audience, to double our audience, um, if we essentially had two shows going at the exact same time on two yes. different floors, mm-hmm. um, and uh, then we can rotate our audience between those two, mm-hmm. even though it's, it's, this, it's you know, all one show, but uh, you, know, you have scenes running concurrently at the same time, then the, the performers have to repeat them for the next audience. Um, there was like a whole matrix that in our heads worked and thank god it worked when yeah. we executed it but it's it's a bit the the performers and the other cast members and the crew they're really props to them they're just jumping in yeah they're completely yeah. jumping in you're running yeah. around i i am usually acting in it as well so you're running in your period costumes with your heels up and down <laughs> Stairs because yeah. <laughs> misjudged you know how the much timing. time you have to go you're going yeah. through back or you figure out that there's a back entrance that you can take that's going to cut off time. There's, a, there's a servant's entrance a yeah. servant stairway we can yeah. take um, <laughs> and the the thing is too uh in talking about being in the rehearsal hall nothing can prepare you for actually having the audience yeah. there and moving from point a to point b knowing that get they're distracted by the beauty of the house too well, yeah, the, yeah the audience starts walking so slowly because they want to take in everything yeah. so the timing is going to be different every single show knowing that if you're on the third floor the other half of the cast is on the second floor and you just have to hope to god that your timing works out this time right. that when you're ready to switch off your audience members to one another that everyone's going to show up in the same room at the same time um, right and we, you know, we had uh, things in, in place in case, you know, if if your your castmate doesn't get there with their audience group in time, like here's yeah. here's a, a section of dialogue that you can do, mm-hmm. here's a song that you can yeah. use, and then we would just have to leave it to our performers because we can't be there all the time and just leave it to their best judgment of, of how they want to approach that. So it's a lot of improv involved and a lot of trust that we have to instill with the people we yeah. in the people that we work with. Yeah, so. right. So when you were, were, is it more like you were wanting the audience, like you were guiding the audience to where yeah. they needed to be and where, or did you allow um, a little bit of independence for the audience members to like, if they weren't going to follow, they can just fucking roam. Like what no, did you know? No, no, because it is, no. it is a historic home. Right. Um, and Everything has to be monitored yeah. at all times. So we yeah. even had to write oh. into the script yeah. that we normally wouldn't have that are specifically there just to keep an eye on things. And yeah. how do you approach having an almost an unnecessary character there? How do you make that performer feel like they have something, part to do of something yeah. that isn't just being, mm-hmm. you know, a gallery attendant um, and finding, finding that, and that something, balance. Something that we changed in our last show is that we really wanted, as soon as you enter, you enter into these beautiful gates and then you're on the grounds. We immediately wanted you to feel as though you were stepping into another world. Mm -hmm. So even before the show starts, you're already in it. Mm -hmm. Um, And this time, Spadina let us use the outbuildings. So we were using a stable, uh, stable, the carriage house, 
um, the grounds a lot more. So, but it has to be very controlled. Mm-hmm. And um, that was their one stipulation. You know, at the end of the day, it is a museum. There, there are just priceless and beautiful yeah. things in this house. And how do you communicate yeah. to your audience yeah. uh, without right. having to have a series of annoying, yeah. um, you know, rules in place yeah. that you have to communicate to them and ahead to of time? That opening yeah. monologue is a serious, serious But it's great because it, when we're kind of crafting these shows, it gives us a, a jumping off point to know, okay, I know mm-hmm. at the very beginning, I have to have a character explain to the audience what is and it's not allowed while they're, mm-hmm. while they're here with us and how to make sure that that happens in character, that that happens in a way that makes sense for the rest of the story, as opposed yeah. to just being, Hey, don't touch anything, you know? Yeah, totally. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or like, expl- I mean, cause like immersive work, it's more popular now, but like a lot of people, and like, like you said, like some immersive work is very different. Like some is yeah. very create your own adventure, do what you want. Yeah. And some is you got to follow this person. So how do you say like, don't do this and do this, Yeah, but also be free in this beautiful space. <laughs> like, uh, sleep no more in uh, yeah. New York, for instance. I mean, that's, you that's one of, well, one of my all time yeah. favorite shows. Um, and that's, that's an, experience where you can just roam you can just wander you can you can follow the actors or not um but you know working in a heritage house where like if something breaks uh i mean that's like a 200 year old object that is you know uh replaceable yeah yeah so uh you know and also the cast too like we had to be very careful because they have a lot of stanchions that are you know set up in certain places and it's how do you break the fourth wall essentially that becomes your fourth wall mm-hmm. and even us in the space you're always you're always hyper aware of everything and trying to be respectful but you're still trying to bring the audience in and luckily we've been very lucky that our audiences are so receptive and they're and ready. so receptive yeah. a lot of them come dressed up in costume to fit the period oh that's so fun we, we tend to put out right. feelers yeah. and you know uh yeah. And they're coming, they're coming because, you know, they have a shared love of historic spaces, um, theater. So I feel like we've been very lucky. And um, I hope that we also, you know, when we're, when we're selling the show, when we're, when we're putting out, there's, there's a lot of information that we give to them before they come. Right. right. To be very well prepped. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're yeah. prepped. Yeah. They're prepped for what's happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have a question because I know this is something that you talked a lot in about doing your about doing Mistrovia Rainey. How do you guys deal with consent between performers and yeah. audience members? We we had a visual yeah. um, cue. Visual cue. So um, oh, cool. what yeah. we ended up doing is rather than have like a ticket to use as proof of admission, everybody gets um, a small clip. So for a Christmas Carol, yeah. it was like a, a, a little wooden clip that had a poinsettia on it. Yeah. And if you wanted to interact with our performers, you kept it on your collar. And, mm-hmm. and if you wanted the performers to leave you alone, you kept it on your sleeve. Yeah. And so okay. we made sure that the audience knew that. That um, also deciphered between our two groups. So that was really it. good to know, like, yeah, where poinsettias are upstairs, stockings yeah. are downstairs. Yeah. Um, so that helped us. <laughs> That helped work as as proof of admission. We knew who was supposed to be there. Uh, it worked for um, you know uh, providing consent for interaction and uh, for separating yeah. our two audience groups. Um, moving forward, though, I mean, there's a lot of conversation around um, around consent, and, and we're realizing that to create this kind of work that is fully immersive, it is a challenge 
to have audience members that aren't willing to, to interact. Um, yeah. And so moving forward, we're kind of uh, making the decision yeah. that uh, when you go to buy your ticket, we're making it very clear in, in our written agreement with our yes. audience members that if you're purchasing a ticket, if you're going to be on premises, then you are willing to. Yeah, you are part of this experience yeah. and that's what you're here for. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the direction that we are headed in. So. Yeah, we we haven't had too many instances. I think some the one thing is a little boy, um, he was a little bit nervous to go. There was a scene in Christmas Carol where he was going to help knead the bread, like in the in the kitchen, and he was a little bit nervous to do that. But afterwards, he talked to his mom, and one of the moms was a sister of one of our performers, and he said, "I was so nervous to go and do it, but I loved it, and I want to do it again." Yeah, so people change I, their minds pretty quickly. Oh like, yeah, and we saw we're that. We're not asking them to do anything. Yeah. Um, anything insane. Yeah, I mean, I, insane. Help, help us help help the Cratchits prep a meal yeah. for dinner. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, that that sort of thing. Yeah, um, it is a tricky one, though. It's something that we're always aware of. But the nature of our performances is we want you to be immersed like we want to be so close. We give the audience their yeah. own role. It's not yeah. just you're here to watch us. Um, we make it clear it. that you you are playing a character. And that yeah. in A Christmas Carol, for instance, there's in the novella, there's a character, Martha, um, Bob Cratchit's daughter, and she doesn't really get mentioned ever um, in like any yeah. adaptations <laughs> I've seen of A Christmas Carol. So, um, you know, when the audience first walks into the Cratchit's home, for instance, um, Lizzie Cratchit or Miss, Mrs. Cratchit uh, grabs an audience member by the hand and goes, Martha, it's so good to see you. Come take a seat at the table. And so the audience always knows, you know, who they're meant to be and at, at what time. And yeah. Um, mm. Yeah. Anyways. Mm. Very cool. Yeah. I, there's so many, I mean, different ways to like uh, approach consent and immersive work that's, it's so, interesting how people do it and how people also just like you never know speaking about audiences what's going to happen I think it depends really on like what the show where like where like you said you're prepping your audience members to go to a heritage house so that already is like a cue for how they should act but Mm -hmm. yes um I know with sleep no more um my sister is in that show Gosh, yeah. oh my god <laughs> yes yeah, so honestly very, my all-time favorite play it's so amazing yeah. yes yeah. I've been I yes I'm very lucky I've seen it many times uh-huh. um amazing but she, she worked for that show for 10 years mm-hmm. and she wow. um she's uh she's not Evelyn what's her name right now I can't even think of her name what's her name is she Kit in the bar She's Kit. Sorry. She's yeah. Kit. So Kit is like the whole, is like one of the main characters with um, Maximilian. So uh, yeah. So she was telling me because I am very close with many of those performers that the, you'd think the audiences in New York would be crazy. And like when they're like mm-hmm. g- getting, following you and getting up and personal, but they're nothing compared to the audience to the show in Shanghai. Oh, really? Apparently wow. the audience in Shanghai has like no personal space and which makes <laughs> sense like if you think about like their like the train yeah. system yeah, or yeah. like the the public transit system like it makes sense why that would be and they'll get like right right up so the right. performers have to be like a lot more like oh my gosh <laughs> pushing, pushing people off of them yeah. like more than they than they were used to in new york so it, it wow. is like so interesting how Even just now, like now during covid they're still they still notice that they're a little bit more uh, I actually haven't talked to them. That was just pre, that was oh, pre-COVID. That was pre- I haven't asked about, I don't even know what's going on with the show in Shanghai, actually, if it's mm-hmm. running, but it's open uh, in New York, right? 
It's open in New York. Yeah. yeah. Which I can't amazing. even imagine how they're able how? to to function the way that they do. That's so, amazing. Yeah. I, I mean, want to see that. I don't think I'd want to see that show right now. Like it was yeah. so spectacular pre. You went the year before. Uh, yeah, I went, went I went the year before the pandemic hit. Yeah. And I, you know what? I was one of the audience members that was really lucky enough to have gotten a Do you one on one? Yeah. I got three one on one experiences. <laughs> Which ones did you get? And Which one did you get? Um, I got like a very like seductive experience with Banquo, like in his room where he like mm -hmm. gives me like a card and yep. whispers <laughs> in my ear and knights me with a sword. And um, I danced with one of the, the actors at one point. And I didn't even go, but I feel like I went from Brandon Just from me he coming home me and just work on it. And he went through every single moment with me. Yeah. I think we talked for over 45 minutes about just the experience. Well, I mean, us, us doing amazing. immersive theater ourselves, getting to see something like that, yeah. that, you know, yes. has a budget that we could only dream of yeah. and a cast we could only, you know, a cast size we could only yeah. ever dream of. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you walk away from that being like, okay, so I have some work to be doing on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also working in a different way, like dance, mostly like um, dance, whereas you guys are working like more in opera and, and song. Yeah. Right. So yeah. different, different ways. I mean, I like when you were talking about like how you can't um, like the, you have to be very careful of the work, like yeah. just even taking that like Corinta Nostrovia is like such yeah. a you guys were like running up walls and hopping yeah. over bar tops and yeah, dancing on the bar top. So it's yeah. just like it's. Uh -huh very different like ha having to produce like a work that's like theater work which is like so yeah. challenging in itself and like for, and dance work it's like they're both so different in how mm -hmm. how they they can work in spaces right yeah. yeah yeah and it really informs the work you're doing because mm, yes in theater especially in opera like like there are no limits what you can do in terms of just like creating this this world and like set pieces and you know mm -hmm. kind of when you're when you're in this like this like the, the character Confined the space. main character is the house actually yeah that's the thing yeah. the house the always ends up being is very sex in the city of you to be like new york's yeah. the fifth character yeah exactly, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the house becomes the fifth character or whatever yeah. and and that so informs the work like now everything that we're looking at and planning for and the way we think about theater has to do with this house, this relationship that we have with this house and the grounds. And um, it's great. Uh, you would think that it would be a hindrance, but it's not. It's I, think, completely... I think limitations sometimes uh, yeah. help open up your creativity because yes. they give you the boundaries that you can work within. And I'm like, okay, I could just dream. Yeah. Uh, until you know the cows come yeah. home or I could think of what can I actually accomplish in this space and I think yes. that's that's been really helpful for our creativity yeah. having those limitations and and with every performance we do yeah. trying to figure out how do we make this more immersive how do we you know uh ensure that the show begins before the audience even and steps foot too. on the and fresh every time because we yeah. have we have a lot of people that will come back we have a lot of repeat repeat uh, patrons, patrons yeah. right. that and so how do we how do we show them the same yeah. space and not have it get the same old? show how do we and, and not have it become formulaic as well is is the biggest challenge yeah. I think for us oh yeah yes we're almost always making the show for our first people that came to the medium our first time there um, because if you're a new person coming I think you're going to be 
love it no matter what. Yeah. Yeah, you're gonna be swept away by there's always something to look happening. at. If if you're not a fan of the acting, you're gonna be a fan of the music. Yeah. If you're not a fan of the music, you'll like the costumes. If you don't like the costumes, yeah. you'll like the house. Like there is always something always to something. look at. Yeah. But yes. it's repeat people that are coming back that I think that we always have in our how do we make this, you know, different new, and engaging. new and fresh and worth the ticket price. Especially, yeah. you know, these are patrons that have supported us when we mm -hmm. were nobodies. And so now it's like, uh, this we're, we're creating work for them. You know, they yeah. supported us from the very beginning and I don't want it to get stale or old or be doing the and same thing. And our performers thing. too. And our, we tend to work with the same people a lot. We have so. a lot of people that we've just continued to work with, or we have people that were in our first show that have since come back. And so how do you make, how do you make the experience for them different as well? Not mm. Same room. So that they're not feeling like they're doing a carbon copy of your last show. That's the mm -hmm. tricky part when you're in the same, the same space, I think that that's right. our biggest challenge. Right. Yes. They're also, it's interesting when you talked about um, like uh, making it new, like there are some stories that will obviously fit that mm -hmm. location so mm -hmm. specifically, like some stories will just be like, you think of this and you're like, that would work here. Yes. And yes. some yeah. stories that don't work at all, obviously. Um, how... What is it? What kind of stories? Is it like a certain era, like you, like the Edwardian era specifically that you try to look for? Have you ever thought yeah. about like yeah. so taking work and moving it to a different with, era? Yeah. We tend to work within like the Belle Epoque era. Mm -hmm. um, so we're looking at uh, 1890s up until about 1914. Yeah. Uh, the medium was set in 1907. Um, what we're doing, which I mean, originally, I believe that show was set in the 40s, but yeah. we, we set it yeah. in 1907 because we felt like that that made a bit more sense. Um, our next show is going to be sent in uh, 1898. And I think yeah. what works really well is that that house, that space um, has elements of Art Nouveau to it. Uh, the, it, 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 it's, it's decorated from, you know, the early 1800s with elements of, of art and furniture from the early 1800s right up into um, the 1930s yeah. and so mm. working making sure our work kind of sits within that Belle Epoque era is kind of nestled right in between the beginning of of that house and the end of, yeah. of that house's design and it um, fits perfectly the one thing Brandon and I have always been obsessed with in our childhood is there was like a series of four movies that we were both like, I was obsessed with that as a child. And it's um, it's Little Women. It's Little yes. Women, The Secret Garden. The Secret Garden with Maggie Smith mm. from the 90s. Um, the, a Little Princess. A little, oh, yeah. And a, fairy tale. and a fairy tale. And, yeah. and Black all, Beauty. And Black Beauty. Like just that era, we when we became friends, we were like, oh my God, you were obsessed with that yeah. too. And just... I think if you were a kid in the 90s, these were films that really yeah. informed your life. They were also like on the Disney Channel all the time. Yeah. The yeah. Time. <laughs> <laughs> a family channel, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So I think for us trying to capture that sense of nostalgia um, and just like the magic of that, yeah. of how that time period was presented to us as children and it has kind of always st stuck with yeah. us. Yeah. Um, and just visually, I mean that I, I, um, I, I'm a costume designer and for me that's just the most fun I can have mm -hmm. is to research that period extensively and see okay how do I recreate mm -hmm. um, how do I recreate costumes from that time period and how does that inform the work like how you'll have an mm -hmm. actor in the rehearsal hall doing one thing but the second you put them in a period costume Ooh, uh, just you, totally you yeah change in their body you hear a change in their voice and the way that they're presenting themselves um, and uh, I just I just love seeing yeah. that transformation from rehearsal hall to being in costume in the space. Yeah. Um, it, 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 
yeah, it, it changes everything. Yes. Yeah. And we've been very lucky just going on with that. We've been very lucky to have inherited or been given so many amazing costumes that came from the Canadian <laughs> company. A lot of times they'll, um, they'll, They'll, they'll end shows. They'll, they'll decide that they're no longer going dead. to. You know how they'll like remount the same productions every couple of years. Sometimes they'll decide this show where it's done, they're never going to remount it again. So they'll have like a surplus of costumes from that show that they've been holding on to for you know x amount of years. And we've been lucky enough to be, especially with, in our early years. This was massive. This for was us. huge for us. Yeah. Um, and so you didn't have to be sewing every. I, day. Yeah, I wasn't sewing my. <laughs> yeah, um, and it and it helped start us out. And then like these costumes. Um, some of them are very intricate. And from there, Brandon is now doing like authentic. Yeah. From scratch. From scratch. Using patterns from the he's time. Been, this pandemic oh my God. Been pleats for, for months <laughs> and months and months. You've been pleading for I've months. Been, yeah, I've been pleading. I've been pleading yeah. for all year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys done Little Women? Is that one you've done already or no? No, not no. yet. But it's on the docket. It's on the docket. Yeah. Ooh, it's on the wish list. Yeah. We've got... We have, um, we both have uh, collections of classic literature yeah. and we're just working our way through them. <laughs> yeah. We get so lucky. We're just like, okay, you know, and dependent on the season, dependent on when we can do yeah. shows, we're, I think yeah. that is our niche that we're the most passionate about. Mm -hmm. That one, I mean, I just, I saw the, it's weird. I mean, I obviously saw the movie when I was younger and then I saw the musical mm -hmm. in high school, which is like the music is fantastic yeah. in that musical yeah. for some reason. You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's amazing. Yeah. And then I just re I just watched the new movie because it's on Netflix. Yes. Yeah, I yeah, hadn't yeah. seen it. I was like, okay. so good. <laughs> yeah. Laura Lee as Marmee. Yeah. Get out of town. Love it. I mean, Florence Pugh. Oh my God. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> that whole like beautiful like economic proposition is like just like hits you so deeply when she's talking about that um anyway I, little woman would be is beautiful would be like such an interesting yeah. concept to do there yeah stay, it, stay it's tuned <laughs> many conversations yes so many and there's an offer too of little women as well yeah there's yeah um, it's so good it's such a good story so many of those stories that were written at that time frame, we're finding too, are just they really translate still. Mm. I feel like they I are mean, incredibly universal. female empowering. Like yeah. they talk, like tackle a lot of issues that yeah. are like extremely relevant right now but, as well, yeah. right? And that, that tends to be how we frame our work yeah. as well. We always even Christmas to... Carol. We were finding some really weird. Oh my gosh! Like Christmas Carol. When was Chris? I think we actually we sent Christmas Carol in 1907 as well. Actually, yeah. there was. Uh, so what we do, I, I think a lot of companies, especially when they're working um, with like an, an established story, like a Christmas Carol, for instance, mm -hmm. they'll 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 take that and they'll work with it as is. Um, for us, because we are working out of a, a historic home that's so significant to the development of the city of Toronto, mm -hmm. we always reframe the production and adapt it to be set in Toronto in this space, mm -hmm. as opposed mm -hmm. to trying to pretend that we're in yes. England. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. And so in the research that we've done on the social conditions of Toronto during that time period, um, not a lot of people know about this, but there was a um, horrible credit crisis yeah. in 1907 that left like half of Toronto just completely destitute. Mm -hmm. um, wow. And so for us, uh, which was just seeing an amazing that, that parallel between Christmas Carol 
um, and you know the forgot Toronto's forgotten credit crisis of 1907, and and how that would affect the Cratchit family, for instance, yeah. and yes, um, you know social class that existed at that time, and yeah, yeah it's a, a wonderful parallel. Yeah. Um, that's how we tend to frame our work anyways. Before you jump into a question about sound, I have one more question about historical accuracy, yeah. Rainy, before we completely switch topics. Mm-hmm. Um, how important it is to you to refer back to the original literature r- rather than like completely adapt the story? Because I feel like when I saw Sleep No More, like I wouldn't have gotten, it's Macbeth, right? Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wouldn't have gotten that out of that if I had just been so immersed in the experience. Yeah. So yeah. how important mm-hmm. is to like attach those recognizable scenes or moments for your audience? I think- uh, I think it's pretty important. It's very important. I don't want the show to feel, I want audience members to come and feel like they're seeing a brand new version of something that is very, very familiar, Um, Mm -hmm. but it needs to be familiar. You need to walk Mm -hmm. away from our show knowing that you did just see A Christmas Carol. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just the circumstances are are slightly different and you've learned something about your own city that maybe you didn't know before. So Yeah. yeah. Cool. And we, we tend to find, um, we tend, when we're going through our work, we tend to find instances where we can change that or make it, have a modern interpretation of what that is to suit, you know, what's going on with us socially, culturally. Um, and I think that goes back to the works that we choose tend to have very, very universal um, human things that no matter where you are in time you're going to be going through these things and and especially things that are um I mean we tend to focus on stories that are that place women in positions of leadership authority power um we like stories that empower women or if we have found a story we want to work with that doesn't empower women how do we take that story and make it empowering for women that Mm -hmm. tends to be something we we like to look at so Mm -hmm. cool how do you deal with I mean because they're set in this in the in that period how do you deal with like the socio-political aspects of it in terms of like um like race and class and stuff yeah I mean we do our best to stay true to the period stay true Mm -hmm. to the story but also recognizing that there are are you know elements of of classism of racism Mm -hmm. of sexism that we we don't want to address or that we like I want to live in a world that uh, where you know sexism and racism and mm-hmm. homophobia don't exist, and so like a lot that. of what we do is we queer our text. Um, so we look yeah. for for opportunities to um, how do how do we take the story and look for uh, a queer uh, romantic storyline? How do we fit that in there? Is there a way to feasibly do that? And, mm-hmm. and uh, it's if possible it's a, if it's appropriate. If it's appropriate story. to the story, yeah. yeah. And I think something that you and I both. Um, look at when we're looking at the story is that we want to be honest to 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 that time period Mm -hmm. because we are in a historical time we're not going to just completely change it to fit our modern point of view like it is a reflection of this and I think we both believe by looking at our history we really can go forward and understand where we need to be right now in history so and how do we make yeah. that how do, how do we create an inclu- an an inclusive space yeah um in doing so yeah. So, yeah and there's so much history we're finding out in toronto that is just not known about um women in 
I hope this isn't a spoiler, but women in the medical field, look, we're researching that in the turn of the century um, going forward, you know, in one of our productions that we're going to be doing. There's so much history. There's a lot of history about race and homophobia in Toronto that isn't necessarily given to us from that. There, there are these people that were so influential at the start of the century that but because because they're forward. queer or because they're women or because yeah. they're people of color their stories have been intentionally buried yeah. and aren't mm -hmm. you know aren't canon to the development of yeah. our city um mm -hmm. and uh, you know uh, we i really pulling those out really pulling those out and i mean this is something we can't talk too much about just because of uh you know the where it's coming from but um we've even come across like a a queer romance uh, uh sitting right around 1900 that has yes. just been completely buried yeah um and that's something that's been an, of particular interest to us of how do we honor that story how do we honor that romance um knowing that we're legally not able to talk too much about it but how do we still refer to it or how do we give these these people um new life and in, in in our productions yeah so, yeah yeah mm -hmm. Hmm. it's tricky it's tricky totally I think the attempt the if the attempt is there I think that it that's what you need to do to attempt to try and pull these stories out to look at them from a modern lens and to be honest about what was happening mm -hmm. uh, I think that's the most important yeah, yeah. yeah. right totally mm -hmm. um how do you do you use a lot of natural light or have you set lights up or I mean I can't imagine the museum yeah. is like really into you electrical taping the walls and stuff. right yeah <laughs> um when we did the medium because that one um you know only the opening of the show had had the audience walking throughout the space but we ended up in one room where the majority of the show took place we had lighting set up in that one room mm -hmm. right. um but because we are trying to work with making it as immersive as humanly possible for audience members we really do want you the second you cross that threshold to suddenly feel like you're transported to a different time a different world mm -hmm, totally. um, and lighting is just not lighting equipment is just not something that is fun to look at and it's not something of the time um and yes it's expensive. money, it's money. <laughs> and so again it's yeah. it's one of those things that we're like um i'm not i don't want to talk poorly about lighting designers or you know lighting is so important but in this space it does take away from the immersive right. elements with something yeah. we've done away with. It's seriously yeah. something that changed our productions when we started um, using um, using it. We had a lighting designer named Chin Palafang. And yeah, Chin's she, phenomenal. Chin, Chin is a York. Chin is a York a graduate. York, a York graduate yeah. as well that we met at the FSC. And um, he dramatically changed our shows with Opera by Request. Yeah. It was staggering. Um, and then he also came along with us to Medium. And that was amazing because we were just in this one space. Um, Brendan and I would seriously love to do everything by candlelight. <laughs> <laughs> candlelight and, and, and lamplight, like that's. Yeah. You know. But because yeah. we're in a historic house insurance, we've had to invest in so many LED, LED candles. candles. Oh, yeah. And so a lot mm. of the times we work with the we work with the lighting that is in, in, in already in the space. already in this space. If we can add some more ambient lighting here and there. Um, for atmosphere, then we will. But 
it's pretty bare bones in terms of that. If you if you are meant to be having a conversation with somebody, you know, in this room, then we want it to feel and reflect yeah. that as much as possible. Yeah, so right. um, if, if this is their home, this is their home. And, yeah. and you get to see what, you know, how they live. And yeah, I mean, it's also like lighting. incredibly complicated to light a space that like yes. was never supposed to be a theater. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. like, like it is. Just finding plugs. Just yeah. finding plugs. Outlets in general. In general. I would love an outlet that worked in a historical building. Yeah. Yeah. Like a dream come true that would be. Yeah. <laughs> like the electrical work is from literally the period that it was built. Probably. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, honestly. But it yeah. works in our favor, I think. Like you're yeah. really, your eyes adjust um, the, the lighting, especially we always do our shows as it's kind of, you know, it's usually in October going into November. So the light is, is going down and sometimes you get the most beautiful sunsets that are permeating into the space. Yeah. And, um, they do have original gas lights, don't they at Spadina mm-hmm. in the drawing room, mm-hmm. but I think that they've like, they haven't had they've them in teams yeah. because the gas is cut. <laughs> gas is cut. Yeah. But I mean, I'd love to be able to use gaslight. That yeah. would be amazing. But um, but the lighting that they do have, it just like there's certain shadows when you're just working with the natural right. light there. It just creates this atmosphere. So the, it, it ups the yeah. immersive element. It ups the ambience. Yeah. Ambience. Yeah, it totally. really does. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's I, when you are working with the you. You said there's a piano, so it's mostly live. Everything yes. is. Yeah, yeah. They have a it, beautiful grand. How do you do it? How do you? Are you say like in one room? Is it just like one song or one? Or sorry, not one song, but like oh. is it the piano and that's happening, but it's not moving into the other rooms, right? We no. we strategically place songs throughout the space, and so we do a lot of acapella work. Shannon is like a, a wonderful musical director and programmer for making that happen. Um, but knowing that we do have access to this amazing grand piano, mm-hmm. we're very specific about if we are in this room, what what's the big song we want to do? Knowing yes. that we have access to the piano yeah. here as opposed to being acapella. When we did the medium, we brought in um, an electric to be upstairs um, because, of course, in an opera, the music doesn't stop. It was uh, yeah. right, it was loud. and we couldn't move the massive, beautiful grand upstairs. No, yeah. And um, the space where we were at, it accommodated more people as well. Mm. So instead of downstairs, so but um, we're really hoping in the future because we have this like fluid nature um we're really hoping to bring on more uh, musicians musicians that can mm. move throughout the space mobile musicians give, mobile musicians. give, give us all the violinists and yeah. right and yeah instead of instead of doing like a speaker like is there no ambient sound at all happening when people are moving um, through Sometimes. So, sometimes it, it, it really depends on yeah. the story yeah. and the room. But no, it's not as though there are speakers set up throughout the space. Yeah, That's something yeah. that we have to bring. And if it's not essential, yeah. I mean, I we we always like to dream as big as humanly possible, but then we like to scale back and ask ourselves, like, does the production suffer from scaling back? Mm-hmm. And if the answer is no, then it, scaling back is probably the right yeah. thing to do. Yeah. We work with such amazing singers. Um pretty much our whole cast are singers mm-hmm. usually and the core group that I usually entrust the most singing to they're all classically trained they're incredible incredible musicians and they're able to sing anywhere anytime mm-hmm. and for Christmas Carol it really worked and it was we're also very conscious about 
the period of the music that we're working in. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I've really had to go back in my music history and look and see like even the instrumentation, what's appropriate for this time period um, and, and, and work with that. So yeah, I think it, again, the simplest solution has really worked in our favor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we learned a lot with medium and we were trying to bring as much into the space, but it actually works to pair it back. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that's been helpful for us is to pair back. And that's, I mean, with every show that we do, we learn something new about the house. We learn something new about ourselves and, and who we are as artists and creators and what is best for our work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's been that's been a huge mm-hmm. uh, element to our growth is, is continuing to scale back yeah. because we're, we're maxim- <laughs> maximalists. <laughs> yeah. We'll over-decorate every single space. And um, I think it's almost impossible for Brandon and I to a show that doesn't involve like a cast of 17. Yeah. We're just, yeah. there's always a huge cast. Um, and we just, yeah. And just the nature of the space, we really try. <laughs> we try to get it down to. I think we did a fringe show that that was our smallest. That with, was the smallest with cast with five. Yeah, yeah. with five. Mm-hmm. So, and that was a real struggle for us. We wanted to keep on adding people, but um, mm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we just we love company. We love a lot of people. <laughs> um, a lot of people. Yeah. Amazing. What do you think is the hardest part about um, working in that style? That's mm-hmm. a good question. The hardest. You can I, have I, different I, answers too. You know, yeah. But, yeah. Oh, I'm still thinking about it. I think it was hard in the beginning. I mean, at this point, we've we've done so so many performances and productions there that we know the staff very well. We know the space incredibly well. We know what we can do yeah. um, in in each space, not because we've been told, but because you know, through trial and error, we we know what's going to work in each room. And um, I think. It was hard at the beginning navigating how much how much we're actually able to accomplish without stepping on anybody's toes, without being yeah. disrespectful to the space. And I think yeah. navigating that conversation with the staff there and then having to either make sacrifices um, for our work to benefit the, the show, to benefit the space, um, that's probably been one of the more yeah. challenging things, just getting to know the space. And that just comes yeah. with time. That yeah. comes with time, you yeah. know, and we've, we, we have really cultivated a close relationship <laughs> with the people there. And that's something that's taken five years. Yeah. 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 And I would say for me, it's what I said before is keeping every show new, mm. not just falling yeah. back on what worked for, for us before. Mm-hmm. And yeah, making sure that if you're coming back to every show that there's something different you're getting to see the rooms and the space in a different way or using rooms that we haven't been able to use before. Oh, yeah. um, different vignettes. Like sometimes I'll just go and just go around Spadina and I'll go walking because I actually live quite close to it. They have beautiful gardens and I'm constantly looking for like, are there different vignettes that we can have even just outside in the garden? Mm-hmm. And, you know, just trying to keep it fresh. Mm-hmm. Totally. It's always the difficult thing. Yeah. We, uh, uh, <laughs> after every show we sit down we have something we can say it. okay we, ha- we have something called the shit list um the shit list? We, we, the shit list we sit down just the two of us after every show we grab a coffee and we just go through what worked and what didn't and yeah. if, it, if it didn't work it, it goes on the shit list yeah um we're never doing we're that we're not doing again. that again yeah yeah the big one for us was we can tell you one thing was programs 
Oh yeah, programs. programs. Done. No more. Gone. No more programs. No more programs. I mean, it's like again, a printing waste. Yeah. It, it, it's. I mean, on the one hand, we get to be like, oh, we're a very green company because we have no paper waste, um, and uh, you know, it also works in our favor because it's a much more immersive to have audience members arrive and feel like they're in the world as opposed to like, you know, here's a pamphlet about what you're about to yeah. see. Yeah, and I'm not a big program, but I mean. I never was a big program person, to be honest with you. But yeah, it, it seems like a bit of a waste, especially thinking about immersive work. If you want to transport someone, why would you have a piece of paper yeah. with like printing yeah. on it, a machine that was not invented in the moment, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, do you have any other questions, Corinne? I just like want to know how you went from just thinking about scale and like the business side of it, like from your first show where you stated it was only 200, the budget was $200. Yeah. Like how big of a jump was it to your next show? I think show? we even like overestimated I, th I think it was probably less than that. I think it was like 150 tops. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> it's just like interesting to think about scale between one show to the next show. And then like what, from like a business perspective, really helped you scale and grow? And like what kind of knowledge is like useful to others? Yes. Do you want to talk about maybe like the practical side for you in terms of set and costume design? Sure. In terms of Brandon, <laughs> I'll, I'm sorry, Brandon is a genius oh, with finding crap from the street. Thank you. For there you that. go. Yes. Crap from the street. He, honestly, you you really have built up. We've really it's taken a very very long time, but we've been very. Um, passionate about building our inventory inventory yeah. and that's in terms of costuming um and things on the street that we find that we can repurpose he's got a church pew in his living room right now i was gonna say literally you guys can't see it but there is a, a church pew that is yeah. up on its side uh blocking my my entryway yeah. because we're going to be using it in our next show and i found it on the street um yes. but, so you get to store uh, everything in your apartment that's, yes. that's right a nice right privilege now. um <laughs> right now i i think that in terms of scale yeah um we Starting try we start small start yeah. slow and um do the most you can with what little you have mm -hmm. um and that was how we started our very first show our set was literally um curtains that uh, we mm. created fake windows that, yeah. that hung from the ceiling in front of those curtains. And we would have our cast kind of peek out from behind the curtains. And that was it. It was as and simple as that. And a little vignette that. off to the side. A little vignette with, with a couple of chairs. And, and just, uh, we worked with the little things that we had. We worked with our teeny tiny budget. Um, and then when that show ended up being a success, we were able to use the revenue from that show and yes. put it towards the next one. Um, we also were very lucky to have a couple investors um, pay into the company and to slowly help us build up so that we could, um, purchase lighting for our next show or, you know, what, whatever else we were doing, our, our website helped pay for our website. Um, yeah, we were very blessed we to have some blessed. people take an interest in the kind of work that we were doing and, and wanting to, to, yeah. So, I mean, that's the other thing for, for people that are at home that have an idea that they know is a good idea, but just don't feel like they have the funds, the equipment, the, you know, access, um, there are people out yeah. there. There are people, if you can put your idea out there and, uh, you know, scale it as much as possible and do the best you have with, with mm -hmm. the least amount of, of 
equipment, yes. the least amount of right. stuff. You know, yeah. uh, if it's a good idea, it's a good idea. Someone's going to take an interest and someone's going to want to try and help you along the way. So yeah. And totally. it takes a long time. It takes a yes. long time. Like we still are, um, we have a pretty good inventory of things that we can work with now. Um, that's taken five years mm-hmm. and being very resourceful about, you know, going to these, you know, sales or, or giveaways or thrifting or, you know, it, it's, it's not, you're not just going to be given all of this stuff. Right. And in terms of scaling the company, we've really, um, we've really tried to figure out, especially with casting, what is the majority that we can work with and the, and the minority. Of what right. How big with. can we go and how small can we go? Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and what feels right for us as a company, what is feasible. And that's taken a lot of trial and error. Um, we've overcast some shows and we've severely undercast some shows mm-hmm. and it's just, you know, figuring out what can we personally do? Because mm-hmm. for a long time, it was just Brandon and I, and it's still just the majority of the time it's Brandon and I, but we've brought in a lot of help mm-hmm. and, and sometimes that help is so greatly appreciated, but then other times we're like, no, you know what? We could have, we could have, we could have done without, done without. we could have done we without the show would have been stronger for it. Yeah. So yeah. it's also, I think that, you know, a lot of times as, as much as you want to, as much as you want to give as many people opportunities when you're first starting out, sometimes there's just not the budget for that. So if you can figure out what you can do by yourself or with your partner, um, that is going to help you be the most efficient and not lose your mind, especially in those last couple of weeks going to mount the show. Um, and then what you can offload on someone else or get somebody else to come in and help you with, mm-hmm. um, that's been something we really had to learn. Yeah. Finding, yeah. finding the collaborators the and the partners too, who are passionate about the work mm-hmm. and passionate about what they bring to the work as well. Mm-hmm. You know, we know who we have, uh, who we, who we can rely on, who we can trust to, you know, for instance, all, all of our poster designs are, mm-hmm. are done by an amazing um, Toronto-based illustrator, E.C. Mazur. Her name is Ella, but she goes by E.C. Mazur. Um, we don't give her really any parameters for, no. for, for the poster, the artwork. That's completely up to her. Yeah. Um, we don't get any edits, nothing like nope. that. We just tell her, <laughs> you know, just, here's some information <laughs> about the show. We let her dream and she comes back to us with um, with whatever she wants and la- yeah. learning to like let go of control and trust yeah. the people we work with and know, okay, she is the expert in this space. Yeah. So I'm right. going to trust that when she says this is the stronger strongest poster, um, mm-hmm. even if I perhaps disagree with, with what I'm seeing, which has never happened, but even if I were... Um, <laughs> I trust, I trust yeah. her expertise and I know yeah. that I can just leave that with her. So fi- finding, finding yeah. your people. Yeah. Finding your people. Oh, totally. What I'm hearing is it just takes time. It takes time. And it like, takes time. And At the end of that ramble, it just takes time. Yeah. <laughs> it takes time and it takes like dedication and consistency, yes. right? Yeah. Which is and, everything I've ever heard from every professional. Yeah. Right? <laughs> there's, there's no, there's no easy, like there's no, there's no pill for weight loss. There's no pill for getting your production up, you know, or your company built that just happens like that. No, like right. it's, you you it's have to be willing dedication. to fail. That's, that's another yeah, thing. Yes. And I think that as artists and as creators, yeah. we're all so terrified of failing. Um, but we you, always say the worst thing that anyone can say to us is no. Yeah. That's the yeah. worst thing that can happen. Yeah. Like when we went to pitch this to Spadina, we were like, the worst thing that they can say is no, we're not interested. Mm-hmm. 
that's fine. We're no better off than we were, you know, we're no worse, no better. Like Mm -hmm. we're just, we tried, right. You know, but you're better off for asking. You're better off for asking and you learn. Yeah, yep. you learn. And we've had shows that I don't think were as successful yep. as we would have wanted yep. them to be. And I, I, you know, can remember going home feeling, I mean, they're not as bad as I, I thought they were in the moment, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> but if something goes wrong, you know, that I, I, once upon a time, I also acted in our, in our, story. yeah, I am. Um, <laughs> I, I, I also acted in our productions. Yeah. My background is in performance as well. Um, and, uh, so Shin and I, when we first started conceiving of what, you know, this, this company is going to look like, what our practice is going to look like, it involved both of us being on stage. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was so invested in all of the production elements at the time and thinking the back of my mind, I'm a trained performer. I'll be, I'll be fine. I don't need to put like too much effort or work into this. My role is so small. I'm on stage for less than five minutes. It's okay. Um, because we work in opera and we we bring in actors as well um, that aren't singers, we have two, we always have two scripts. One that's the original opera script, and then one is a transcription of the music for the actors so they can read what the you know the lyrics in the song would be uh, as just dialogue. Um, and so five pages in the staging script is more like 25 pages in the musical script. And um, in one of I think it was our first show, yeah, it was our very show. first show, I was playing a doctor. And I thought that I heard my cue line because I, I was so distracted by something else that had to do with the production element. I thought I heard you my were cue. were sewing on a button or something. Yeah, some, something along those lines. And I, I thought I heard my cue um, and came rushing in to do my role. And I saw this look on Shannon's face. She was on stage at the time. And I was like, something is wrong. what's wrong what's what's happening why does she why is she giving me that look right now and so I had come in uh, essentially five pages too early on uh, on the script which for Shannon and for our 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 musical director at that time Bill Shukoff that was 25 pages too early for them Uh, I don't know how Bill managed to go from one bit of music to jumping ahead and in his his libretti to to or libretti. Then you had to come back. Then I had to come back. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I don't even know uh, how the same thing. we got on from your question to that story. It's knowing your limits. It's knowing your limits. Knowing your limits. Yeah. Okay. The yes. delegate. Take yeah. time to know your limits. Yes. To know what you're capable of and and how the business should be run. How the what's what's the best way to have this well oiled machine. Oh yes. I am no sound technician is what I learned. <laughs> I am no, no. Taught me I am not a stage manager. <laughs> I, am not, I hate being in the booth away from the, from the, from the people. And it's very stressful. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, on that note, Corinne, go ahead. Is being an artist fucking killing you? I would say that at times being an artist can kill you, but at the end of the day, being an artist is the thing that gives us life. Yeah. Yeah. The best thing in the world. The best thing in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Yay. That's so nice. Perfect. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you guys for being here. Um, So fun. Where can people find you? Um, you can find us on our website at whitemillstheaterco.com or on Instagram. Yep. There's uh, links on our website there. It's White Mills Theater Co. Yeah. Yep. White Mills T.O. White Mills T.O. White Mills T.O. Yeah. Yep. Right. Perfect. 
If you like today's episode, thank you so much. Leave us a review. Go check everybody out. Go to Facebook, go to Instagram, go to Twitter, go anywhere. The first thing you do when you check your phone in the morning, you go on social media. So go to anywhere and we will find us. And thank you so much. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks, guys. Nice chatting with you.